Hello everyone and welcome to Atomic Age SaucerCast. My name is Jerry and joining me as always is a what some people call a psyop, one specifically of cinema. We've got Court. Klaatu, Barata, and it was definitely an N-word. Whoa, whoa, this is not that type of show. Uh, <laughs> Wrong network for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we also have someone who's considered a psycho of the somatic source. Uh, we have Darren. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Pretty good. You know, I'm glad you're not trying to drop N-words over here. Whoa, whoa. No. God, I, I meant like Matt was on here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the barrage of assaults and insults for Matt never ends, and I love it. Yep, and he doesn't listen to the show, so I will never get in trouble for it. <laughs> no, he has no clue the shit that people talk behind his back because he just doesn't even care. I mean, technically, I'm not doing it behind his back. It's out in the open. I'm not trying to hide it. <laughs> but I do blame him because one time I was listening um, to Cinema PsyOps. Uh, what was I listening to? It's probably I think it might have been Cannibal Holocaust. And uh, he said something, and it, like made me like do that what the fuck head jerk thing but i had a broom and i hit this wine bottle and knocked over a wine bottle and i was like i was just trying to sweep up some dirt from these pallets and now i've got to clean all this wine bottles and it's matt fault i'm gonna start a 1950s sci-fi podcast with court <laughs> just so i can talk shit about him oh uh, the only thing it's the only logical choice What's really funny about all of that statement is that so many of the sidecasts that I've gotten created are in spite or to spite Matt in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, because I know it's Matt's fault that I've never been on Cinema PsyOps. I'm just saying that I I'm sure it's Matt's fault somehow. Even though he probably doesn't know I exist, it's still his fault. It may be more the fault of my equipment not allowing me to record other people and Matt at the same time in studio, so... I mean, I know you've given that excuse before, but I've seen guests on Cinema PsyOps, so it's just like, it's Matt. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Once you once you eliminate Matt, you can ascend to Cinema PsyOps if you want. Yeah, I'm going to kill him and take over. <laughs> and instead of doing 1970s movies no one's ever heard of, we're going to do 1990s straight to... VHS DVD creature features that no one likes. <laughs> well, geez, it's like you're giving away what my year seven's going to be. <laughs> oh, I can see well, into the future. And you got to look ahead because if they uh, cancel the NFL season, Matt will probably kill himself. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, the poor bastard. <laughs> yes, uh, NFL. Yeah, can you cancel the season, you know, with everything happening? I just don't think, you know, there might be another flare-up as we get into the fall. So if we can just cancel the whole thing, that would be really good for me. Yeah. Oh, this okay. is so dark, Thank so you. fast. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, fuck, I thought I had that on mute. So anyway, today on Atomic Age SaucerCast, we are back and we are coming back with a classic. We are doing The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951. Mmm. Get some 20th Century <laughs> Fox up in here. Widely considered one of the greatest sci-fi movies to ever exist. It's in that, um, what's that thing called? The National Congress of Films, the National Film Registry, something like that. Uh, yep, that's a thing. 
for the United National States. National Film Library Archive, of Congress. Yeah. yeah. National Film Archive, right? Bunch yeah. of words uh, together. And uh, <laughs> it uh, came out September 18th, 1951 at around 92 minutes. It uh, had a budget of $995,000 and made $1.85 million just on that U.S. theatrical run. So that's pretty damn good i like it i'm a big fan uh so i, I guess we're gonna we're gonna do a walkthrough but uh obviously i don't think this is anyone's first time watching this movie right no this this is maybe the second sci-fi movie i ever saw after <laughs> my dad noticed oh you like batteries not included check this really cool thing out oh I, you like batteries not included Son, we're a short-circuit family here. Get out. <laughs> you know, it, I haven't revisited Short Circuit in a while, but I, I think it is important to note that they figure out that Johnny Five is alive by telling him a racist joke. It, it, You know what? It's the movie that inspired Michael Bay. It's the E.T. of robot movies. Michael Bay saw that as a child and said, one day I'm going to make racist Transformers. <laughs> and you know those those aliens in the new in the the prequel trilogy of star wars yes those uh, also there's gotta, gotta have those those <sighs> those things in there from the old yep yeah, george lucas and what's Michael the rule Bay. don't talk about worse movies when you're talking about good movies or is it don't talk about good movies when you're talking about worse movies it's supposed to be don't talk about a better movie than you're talking about so i think we're still okay okay good well speaking of better <laughs> podcasters than the other people here uh court it's uh not your first time seeing this movie right no um geez i can't even really remember the first time that i watched it i want to say that it was like a turner classic movie watch or something along those time like lines probably around my college years so 99 2000 might have been the first time that i saw it and watching late night tcm <laughs> i'm mm. pretty sure uh, this is a movie i watched in the early 90s on like tcm with my grandfather because we would watch a lot of movies that would show uh during the day on tcm or sci-fi channel uh so i i saw this at a very very young age um and i'm a big fan of this movie in general but uh did any has anyone ever seen the colorized version yeah they colorized this yeah I've, I've seen the keanu reeves version but i've never seen the colorized version of this i thought that was the version we were talking about wait is there not a colorized version of this movie am i mixing this up with uh, i guess they only i know they colorized a few movies from that era like earth versus the flying saucers and it came from beneath the sea. Maybe they didn't do that for this one. I could have swore that they did this one. The one that they did for It Came Beneath the Sea was, like, supervised later on. Um, I thought for sure that there was a colorized version of The Day of the Year Stood Still. Maybe I'm just crazy. I've heard there was, but now that I'm thinking about it, I have not seen anything pop up with, like, a colorized version. But for some reason, I I, I know that because, like, I, I know there was a radio play version done in like 1954 or 55 something like that and then i know the remake in like 2007 8 8 i think but um 
I mean, there's at least stills that look like there was a Day the Earth Stood Still colorized version, but I don't know if people were just colorizing scenes. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll have to look that up later, because now I don't know, and I may be confused. Uh, I have a thing about watching colorized versions of black and white films. I like watching to see how it's how it's done. I think it's very, very interesting. Um, uh, in fact, yesterday after I watched the uh, Day of the Earth Stood Still, I ended up watching uh, It Came From Beneath the Sea, the colorized version, and then the colorized version of um, uh, uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Similar well, to ha- how when yeah, but- we did uh, The Thing From Another World, I ended up watching a colorized version of that one also. Harryhausen actually did a thing just a few years ago where he oversaw the colorization of a lot of his films. And that's why a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning that you've watched, like it came from beneath the sea and uh, earth versus the flying saucers. That was all Harryhausen actually getting the things colorized to get people to kind of take another look at them in an attempt for that. But what it also did was cause restorations of a lot of those films kind of a bit of ahead of schedule. So that was at least the nice side of it. I just looked it up. I couldn't find anything other than like still shots and uh, posters and things that were colorized later on. Okay. So I guess there's not a colorized version of this film, though I would be interested in seeing a colorized version of this film, especially after watching the two movies last night um, colorized. Cause I actually have a Harryhausen four disc Blu-ray set that, uh, I don't really shouldn't say four discs like it's some collection. They just took four Blu-rays and put a shitty box around them. Um, <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, I've got at least one of those. Uh, the missus is really into Harryhausen. Not that I'm not, but yeah. she actively asks for them on Blu-ray if she doesn't have them yet. Yeah. Go Vice. <laughs> yeah. There's. They're fantastic. I have a good chunk of his movies on Blu-ray. I've got the Sinbad collection that Indicator put out. Uh, like I said, I've got that four-disc uh, box set that has the, his first Sinbad movie. Uh, it came from 20,000 miles, some shit like that. The one where the little monster grows big. Uh, Earth <laughs> 20,000 miles to Earth. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah. And then Earth was flying saucers end. It uh, came from the sea. And then I also have, like, the Jason and the Argonauts Clash of the Titans, which... I prefer Jason and the Argonauts just for everyone who who's in that battle. Uh, it's better than Clash of the Titans. Suck it. The skeleton battles in Jason and the Argonauts are incredible. And then that Hydra fight at the end is really a crowning achievement as well. Yeah. I, think a, I think a reason a lot of people love Clash of the Titans is it was like Harryhausen's swan song. And then also it was in the 80s. So there's a little bit of nostalgia for it always being on cable. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, and I have that nostalgia for Jason and the Argonauts and uh, the first Sinbad movie, which I believe was the seventh voyage of Sinbad, because uh, we had them on VHS and I watched them all the time. Yeah, I remember the Sinbad movies always being on daytime TV. Um, and we're not talking Harryhausen this week, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that's where my love of Harryhausen comes from is watching the movies a lot when I was a kid, like always on TBS and stuff like that. Yes. 100% love them. Uh, but, I mean, you're right. I guess I should get off this Harryhausen kick. Unless you want to start a Harryhausen sidecast. It's a sidecast of Atomic Age Saucer cast. 
<laughs> I would not say no. I love Harryhausen. I, I would 100% do that. It wouldn't take too long. There's only, there would only be like less than 20 episodes. <laughs> There's yeah, probably a couple of those movies that would fit in this, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Earth versus, uh, 20 Million Miles to Earth, Earth versus the Flying Saucer. Um, um, it came from beneath the sea. Fit. That fits yeah, because it's uh, nuclear radiation. Yep. That one would fit as well. The, uh, even probably maybe Valley of Guanji a little bit. Because <laughs> scientists go in and discover undiscovered territory. I mean, if we would do King Kong on this one, we would have to do that too. Uh, right. I don't know we would do King Kong on that. I don't think those fit into Atomic Age. Yeah, they're just giant creatures. Or yeah, they're, eight they're, wonders of the world kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, they're exploration journey adventure movies. Not uh, something that deals with uh, radiation or the Cold War, which is kind of our bread and butter on this show. But uh, <laughs> we're rebels. Yeah. We do what we want. We might cover those for the fuck of it. You want to know why? Because I don't give a shit. Well, you just got many reviews of all of them anyway, folks. So there yeah, you go. Exactly. Yeah. Let us know. We'll do them. I don't care. We have nothing better to do in quarantine. <laughs> I have two episodes out this week. I'll come back in three days. And do a Harryhausen movie. Give a fuck. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, an alien lands and tells the people of Earth that they must live peacefully or be destroyed as a danger to other planets. I would like to correct this. An alien lands and tries to tell anyone he comes in contact with that he has more information, but he won't give it unless he can have all the nations, all the world's nations leaders uh, come together to tell them this secret info that he won't tell any one person unless you're a dame with a child. So <laughs> I need world peace before I tell you that we need world peace. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's very interesting. Um, so the movie that was starts. A, that was a failed method, was it not? <laughs> Trying to get a bunch of people together in in in, in a human society, bringing people together. That's never going to work. Tell yeah. the Americans it needs to be in Russia. <laughs> And the British are like, no, we'll go to America, but we ain't coming to Russia, even though you're closer. Fuck that. At least we owned America at one point. Uh, so this movie starts off with reports of a UFO, which eventually makes its way to D.C. In our very first montage scene, uh, this movie is 90% montage scenes. So it be ready for that. Definitely is. A lot of spinning newspapers, too. I like that. That I like that. I like the documentary style uh, talking over what's going on. It has a bunch of uh, actual news reporters from the time guests appearing here. Um, the ship lands in a baseball field because America. Um, and as we see the military run tour, we learned that tanks can drift. So look out for Fast and the Furious 3 Tokyo Drift 2. <laughs> Fast and the Furious tank drift. Yeah, uh, Fast and the Furious DC drift. <laughs> DC tank good. drift. Yeah, because uh, that is superior American military power. Um, but after two hours, the spaceship finally opens up, and uh, our alien comes out in his suit and lets everyone know, "Hey, we came to visit you in peace and in goodwill." Uh, but of course. Uh, pulling something out of his clothing, the army ends up shooting him, and in return, the robot comes out of the ship, and people I'll... run the fuck away. It's scary. 
I love the fact that the guy that is in the most armored vehicle possible on that field is the one that loses his shit and fires first out of fear. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a scene that made the American army refuse to help with the movie, which is why uh, everything we're seeing is actually from um, the uh, National Guard and not the actual American military. Everything supplied is by the National Guard. American that makes sense. Thought yeah, this movie get, made them look dumb. They get real sensitive about that they, kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, and you know what's funny is uh, there's a theory, and it's actually the one I subscribe to for the JFK assassination, that even though Oswald did shoot, uh, the trajectory of one of the bullets came from behind um, JFK, and it was actually a Secret Service man who accidentally uh, jumped and shot his AK-47 into the head of JFK. <laughs> so it was like a total fuck up that they're trying to cover up. Yes. It's 100% a fuck up that they're trying to cover up because what, what are you going to have Russia and Cuba being like, what are you going to do? Accidentally kill your next president? Sit down, bitch. <laughs> Fucking get and out I of for, here. I forget. Was that the secret agent that wasn't the one that went out and got shit faced all night the uh, night before? No, I, it's, it's not known because to, according to some people, all of them got shit faced the night before. Okay. Um, and then some people say only some of them did. A lot of them did. We're not really sure because we also, it's hard to really pinpoint, like they do have the name of who the person is that supposedly accidentally shot his gun. But I can't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, the the agent's name. Yes. I, yeah, I I can't remember remember either. But I feel like there was something like what, eleven or twelve people that said that they heard a gunshot come from that area. Uh, yeah, there and, and people saying that they like literally saw the gun shoot and like a a spark, a, a whatever color it is that you're supposed to see. Yeah, yeah I, and, can't, I can't remember that guy's name, and I I was hearing about this just very recently yeah and i think that this movie shows how quick government people are to shoot without a moment's notice whether it's um the president or a space alien or a unarmed black man they just shoot well, that's more of the police for the unarmed black man, but you're you're okay. not wrong. The police are still a government institute. <laughs> right. They execute corporate policy for the state. Exactly. And, so and this this movie came out in nineteen fifty one, right? Yes. At the beginning of nineteen fifty one was when uh Operation Ranger really got going, and that was a lot of nuclear testing. It was like the kickoff of uh, over a thousand nuclear tests between 1951 and 1990 or 1991. Yes, which is why we have this show, that yeah. Nicole. Um. So, uh, raising its visor and shooting a beam, the robot destroys guns and tanks, but no humans. Uh, with one command, the alien turns off the robot and informs them that they have destroyed a present that could have helped the president study space. Or at least I think that's what they said. I was yeah, it's, a hard time it's supposed to be a way that he can study other life forms out in space and kind of learn that their position in the universe is a lot more <laughs> tenable than what they 
have right now. They think they're the only ones that exist. And it's supposed to be a way to, like, bring them all together or something like that. Yeah. I think that it's an early form of that uh, flashy light uh, erase your mind thing from Men in Black. And uh, that soldier is actually an American hero. Okay, that's not true. That is a bad... This is how conspiracy theories are easily debunked. Uh, this is bad. Um, okay. So, uh, he's taken to the hospital, and Mr. Harley shows up to meet the alien Klaatu. He is a secretary to the president. Klaatu wants a meeting with the leaders from all nations. Harley explains that this is not an easy thing in the current climate. Now, Darren, you're our you know, resident political 1950s uh, guy here, I guess. What what would you inform the people of the climate of the 1950s that uh, Mr. Harley is referring to? Oh, the 1950s when it's, it's difficult. Uh, let's see, Harry Truman was president. I can't remember who was in charge of Russia, but this was really, this was after the American-Russian loose friendship that they had in World War II was going to shit because Russia was very surprised when America used the first atomic bomb against Japan. And then they that this was, you know, five or so years into the nuclear arms race. It wasn't Stalin, was it? Because how long did Stalin last after Hitler? Oh, shit. Um, he was... While you figure it out, yes. I'll keep Stalin. Hey. <laughs> uh, no one listens to this show. You, um, asked this, you asked that question specifically so you could make that joke, didn't you? <laughs> Stalin was in power from uh, 1924 to 1953, followed by, a briefly, uh, Georgi Malenkov, who was in for about... He, he basically had a summer job before uh, Khrushchev took over. Okay, so in 1951, he would have been, it would have been Stalin. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Um, uh, Harley shows, uh, oh, wait, no, hold up. Uh, that's not where I'm at. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Klaatu says, I'm not as cynical as you are when it comes to human beings, but, uh, Harley claps back with, I've been dealing with human politics much longer. Mm. So, back at the spaceship, they are looking over the ship, but can't get it open. It's not their spaceship, but they're taking blowtorches to it, and fucking dynamite, and all kind of shit, trying to get into it. Uh, yeah, not they're not, nice. they're, they're also not uh, keeping themselves quarantined away from something that could possibly release something that could kill human beings. I mean, we could have an opposite thing, where... A cold from outer space beings could be deadly for all of us, like a reverse war of the world situation. <laughs> and they're just all going after the robot with jackhammers and the spaceship. So like it's this no is big how deal. we got coronavirus. <laughs> well, it's a lot more believable than that somebody ate an undercooked bat, even though that's kind of how the coronavirus in general got started. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, Klaatu is very similar to a human being, we learn, except that he's 78 and their like life expectancy is 150 and that the wound from the bullet is already healed. Harley Sign me up. 
Oh, I real. wouldn't live to 150 and be in that great a shape as Michael Rennie is right now. As long as I don't have to live on Earth. I will... <laughs> well, we'll get to that later, but I think I would go live under the robot rule. Um, <laughs> Harley shows back up the next day to give him the news of countries not coming to the meeting. Russia wants it in Moscow, while others want it in Washington. Klaatu wants to leave, but the military people say no. He smiles as the door is locked. And when dinner is brought to him... He later, or brought to him later, he has left the room. Uh, so we get another montage of people reacting to the alien gone missing. He is not eight montage. feet tall. <coughs> he has 17 eyes. Uh, so Klaatu, <laughs> who uh, stole a uniform from a John Carpenter. No, was it John Carpenter? What was the first no, name? It started with a J. It major, it was an MJ Carpenter, and then he just said John Carpenter was his name. Yeah, uh, which, fun fact, uh, John Carpenter is named after him. I have no idea if that's true. Probably <laughs> Fun not. fact, John Carpenter is awesome. Uh, Everything else, yes, yeah. we cannot fun, confirm. Uh, uh, fun fact, Klaatu actually is what we know of John Carpenter. He stuck on Earth and tried to keep teaching us lessons by giving us movies with similar themes and ideas to them and we failed to recognize and we're all going to die now. Yeah. Fun fact, uh, George A. Romero is also the same type of alien and he did the same thing, but unfortunately, he wore glasses and that killed him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> None of these are fun, nor are they facts. Um, but what fun is a facts. fun fact? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to continue going, but if you got another fun fact, I'm all for it. Well, no, I was just going to say fun fact. Clatu uh, Verada Nikto is his whole name. Oh, okay. John Carpenter's name? Uh, no, uh, the guy that's impersonating John Carpenter. Oh, so, okay. So the alien's full name is Clatu Verada Nikto? Yeah, because when he said Mr. Klaatu, he corrected him because Klaatu's not his last name. Uh, <laughs> you know what pisses me off? Aliens have middle names, and I don't have a middle name. Oh, you have to take that up with your parents. That's not aliens' fault. I'm just I... saying it's bullshit. I'm just, you know, just pointing it out. Um, well, they, they wanted you to not become a uh, assassin or serial killer. <laughs> Yeah, because Jerry something Herring sure sounds like an assassin or serial killer. <laughs> That's true. It does. But I do have my my first name is two names, so there's that. I got a hyphenated name. Suck it. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's cool. that. Yeah, that's that's total fucking assassin right there. Hyphenated name. Yeah, you could technically, when you say my name, you're still saying three names. So it works out. Um. So, Klaatu is going by Mr. Carpenter now, and he shows up at a room-for-rent place where everyone's watching a news report about him. That's wacky. Um, So, the next day at the breakfast table, we hear fear-mongering on the radio, and the table talk shows Russian fears along with many different views, both positive and negative, of what's going on. Especially Um, Aunt B. She's really anti-commie. <laughs> For real, fuck oh. anti-commie. There was actually a person um, 
Ah, oh, fuck. Now I don't know if it is this movie or, or another. I so whenever I watch a movie, I immediately uh, when I'm finished with it, I go on IMDb and I like read through the trivia. So yeah, that's fun. I watched like three movies yesterday, and I did this for all of them. And now I am not sure if the thing I read about a certain person. Um, nope, it was not the film. It was it from beneath. It came from beneath the sea. Had someone who was blacklisted work on it, and until that Blu-ray came out. Uh, his name was never on the credits. And That's so, a lot more common than you'd believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, Vincent Price was uh, almost blacklisted for being a communist and had to, like, sign document papers for the fucking FBI to say that he wasn't so that he could continue acting. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> fact, uh, but not fun. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we we also meet Mrs. Benson, who has a child named Bobby. Uh, Miss Benson, good mother, bad mother. Let's decide. Do you let a guy who's lived in the place you've lived for one day just watch your kid so you can go on a fucking date? You do if it's Michael Rennie. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Uh, but does <laughs> she know that that's Michael Rennie? Um, it's pretty obvious that it's Michael Rennie because it looks like Michael it Rennie. It is to you because you got to see the credits. <laughs> I would say that the way that he is acting as soon as he shows up and the fact that he's very straightforward and, you know, wearing a suit and everything and it being the 1950s, they're totally fine. They don't even think about it. Like we would like automatically our creep alarm goes off. We're like, no, don't let that little kid be near that dude. You've just met him. But back then I'm sure they didn't even worry about it, which is how the creeps wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like the anti Albert fish and people just gave their children to him. (laughs) Right. I mean, you could tell just looking at photos of Albert fish that you should not allow your kid to go wandering off with Albert fish at all. Yeah, his fucking mustache was thicker than his waistline. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so back on to this happy story. Uh, Bobby's dad died in the war. Um, that's it. I just want you people to know that. Uh, so <laughs> Bobby and Klaatu go out, and uh, Bobby wants to go to the movies. Klaatu has no money, but he has diamonds. And uh, for two bucks, he gives Bobby two diamonds. And then Bobby's like, don't tell my mom. I don't want her to know I fucking steal. Yeah, she doesn't like it when I steal from people. Thanks. <laughs> that he's all like, and also don't tell my mom that these are blood diamonds and that babies had to lose their arms for this. <laughs> that's where aliens get all those extra arms. Yeah, fun they fact. cut them off of babies. Yeah, that's that's not fun, but that is a yeah. fact. Unfun fact. Wait, is Goro an alien? Probably. Okay, I gotta think about that. Uh, at the Lincoln Memorial, uh, Klaatu is asking about the smartest man on Earth, which, uh, you know, he thinks is this Abraham Lincoln cat. <laughs> like, Abraham Lincoln ever did anything cool. Um, <laughs> he did a couple of really nice things, yeah. Uh, I don't know, I'm more of a fan of John Wilkes Booth, you know? I had you like the, those three names. You, yeah. You, you, uh, well, you want Wilkes, what you can't have, a third John name. John Wilkes Booth and, uh... was just, he was one... Mind-blowing dude, you know? Angry actor. Uh, Boo. Bad joke. Boo. Isn't that what I'm here for? 
It's not soon enough, Jerry. It's not soon not, enough. It's not soon enough. I was just watching Holliston, and uh, I, I rewatched the two seasons of that, and they have and uh, Odor Shirangas from Gore does that Kurt Cobain joke, and then he goes in the closet and he comes back out, and he's like, "Oh, get over it." <laughs> it so uh, I remember that one. Oh God, that show is so good. Shutter season three, make it happen. Um, Market basket. Marquette basket. Market basket. Market basket. Market basket. <laughs> oh, God, I fucking love that show. Um, so uh, Bobby says it's actually Professor Barnhart, which... Bobby, how do you know the smartest guy in the world? What the fuck? My mom just gives me to men, and I, I lead them around the city. Gosh. Oh, that's fair. Clip. This, <laughs> I bet Bobby's been to Bohemian Grove. Oh, um, probably. If you, want to know more about, fast. if you want to know more, more about, about Bohemian Grove, listen to Darren and I discuss a lot of fucked up things in the Franklin cover-up episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> if you want to distract yourself from your modern-day nightmare, look to the past. There's plenty. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's this great scene of them being interviewed, uh, and Klaatu's just like, I'm more scared of people substituting fear for reason. The porter's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Who wants to be ratchet so I can get something interesting? Who wants I can't to blame use the commies? Clip. Somebody keep going, mister. You had him going. Oh, yeah. When he's explaining, like, fucking smart things and people don't understand what he's saying. And they're just like, oh, yeah, he must be fucking with them. Uh, so they go to Preston Barnhart and he doesn't seem to be home. So Klaatu just commits... Breaking and entering, uh, and goes over there and just starts marking on his board for celestial equations. A woman shows up and catches him, and he leaves a note for him. And the woman was gonna race the board, but Klaatu was like, Hey, the professor needs that. No one calls the cops, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe she was there robbing him too, and it was a mutual understanding. And I forget, did he pick the lock or was it just trespassing? They don't, well, Bobby tries to open the door and it doesn't open. Mm, and they don't okay. show what he does to the door to get in. <laughs> well, considering the power that we see he is capable of wielding later, I would imagine that a locked door is not even the thing that would bother him. He or could use one of those diamonds. He could have used a diamond or maybe he used the power of his alien brain to undo the lock or something. I don't know, but... He could just probably have some kind of like force power or, you know, some kind of like a telekinesis carry style where he can move things with his mind. And maybe he just moved the lock out of the way and just got all of the tumblers where they needed to be. Okay. Be. More importantly, are you telling me that if I go to a house and it's not locked and I go in, it's just trespassing and yeah, not you didn't breaking break. and entering? You didn't break. You just trespass. You're on a property without permission. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure. I, I'm sure each locality has their own specificity, but, you know. Hmm. So, um, back at the room for rent place, a man shows up to see Carpenter. Ms. Benson shows back up, and her boyfriend also wants to marry her. Just to inform everyone of that, but she ain't really, she, she ain't having it. I don't know why. He seems like a good dude. Um, she just wants the pogo stick. She's not trying to buy that cow. Pogo stick? What the fuck kind of... What do you got going on in your household? 
<laughs> she just wants to ride the Johnson is all I'm saying. She doesn't want to marry it. His name is not Johnson. <laughs> she wants the dick, Jerry. She wants the dick, and that's all she oh, needs from that guy. Oh, yeah, that's what you meant, obviously. I was... Uh... Uh, so Mr. Brady, <laughs> uh, Mr. Brady is a government agent who takes Carpenter with him, and uh, then he eventually is taken to Professor Barnhart. Klaatu straight up tells Barnhart he's the alien, and Klaatu warns him that if they make missiles and other weapons that can danger other planets, that they also will be in danger. Is violent action the only thing that will get your attention? The planet Earth could be destroyed. So instead of just taking him for his word, uh, he's like, can you do a demonstration of power that uh, can be shown as dramatic but not destructive? Uh, and he's like, yeah, what, what do you want? Day after tomorrow, around noon? I got you, boy. <laughs> um, then back at the house, Tom is very angry about Mr. Carpenter. Miss Benson tells Bobby, maybe they don't need to be around Mr. Carpenter quite so much. But Mr. Carpenter's helping him with his homework and doing dad-like things. Uh, but it is a little weird that you're now worrying about this just because your boyfriend said something. So Well, her boyfriend's a creep, and he knows another creep when he smells one. I don't think he's a creep. He hasn't done anything creepy yet. What has he done that's creepy? Why do you think he's a creep? <laughs> I don't know. He just makes me why, feel like he's a creep. Why are you being a hater? <laughs> just for that specific guy okay well mr carpenter comes back and asks bobby for a flashlight i mean a flashlight <laughs> see he's a uh, creep he says his lights went out um and says tell he's gonna tell bobby about a train with no tracks which i don't know what the fuck that means um maybe it's a hover train oh yeah maybe it is why don't we have hover trains yet fucking back to the future line to us uh, we don't have hover trains because the Republican Party is denying us hover trains. We have to build, uh, yeah, fighter planes that never fly and don't work. Wow. That's more important. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you build the wall if you give me a hover train. I think that's a fair compensation. Have it right. Have that be the, yeah, it'll be right on top. Yeah. The the hover train will just go right above the wall. You go see. Suck it. Yeah. Don't tell him that, though. Leave that part out. Like, here um, on the American side is the butterfly sanctuary that we bulldoze to build this stupid fucking thing. And on the right... Hover train. Mexico. Hover train. Mexican <laughs> hover train. I like um, Atomic Saucer Cast a lot better before they started talking political stuff. Sorry. You know what? You're right. <laughs> we'll get back into uh, Bobby going and looking down the hall and seeing that his lights do work for an alien. He's pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> so he leaves and Bobby follows. He arrives at the spaceship, but it's guarded by two fucking people. That's it. Uh, he uses a flashlight to signal the robot. The robot walks towards the guards, and as Bobby watches him, we watch Bobby as he watches the robot take out the two guards. Two. Uh, we would assume Three Stooges <clears throat> style, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, he there knocks was, their heads together. There was pies, uh, eye pokings. <laughs> Uh, with this, Klaatu gets to his ship. He enters the ship, and Bobby runs away and trips like a little bitch. Uh, this, fun fact, tripping is what inspired every scene of tripping that happens in the Scream series. 
Not true. Not true. Okay. Uh, inside the ship, he gets commands uh, and then goes back. Oh, and then we go back to the house where Bobby tells Mrs. Benson, his mama, that Carpenter went into the spaceship. Tom, who, uh, according to some people, is a creep. Uh, you know, it's neither here nor there, but some people can't keep their bipartisan politics to themselves uh, <laughs> and hate on Tom. Um, <laughs> so uh, Tom goes into Carpenter's room, but he isn't there. But he does find a diamond, uh, and he takes it. Tom thinks that Mr. Carpenter is a crook. Kalatu uh, shows up at at Miss Benson's work the next day, uh, while Tom is getting the diamond looked at, Klaatu wants to know what Bobby told her. They get into an elevator, and then the lights go out. Electricity has been neutralized all over the Earth. A montage of the world with no power. And, in case you're wondering how many people died, none! Because, even though cars don't work, airplanes still worked, and hospitals still worked, uh, they explain that shit, so don't be trying to put loopholes or plot holes in their shit. Yeah, I love how he does this. He makes sure that nothing that he shuts down will cause death for anybody. So hospitals are exempt. Airplanes in flight are exempt, but if they're grounded, they stop. Trains, because they're grounded, they stop. All of that kind of stuff. So he finds a way to peacefully resist and demonstrate what it is that he's capable of doing, and then uses that as sort of a warning of like, hey, uh, you want this to be permanent, you know, you keep fucking around and find out. <laughs> Except that no one but the scientists knows that he did it or do the, any of them ever mention the fact that the alien did it. No one. We see multiple shots of army men in their army room uh, and they just don't bring it up. The only thing they go to is they go, all right, well, the alien's out there somewhere. At this point, we're just going to kill him. <laughs> the British guy in the montage says, it's that spaceman. That's who it is. But I think he is the only person that says it. Yeah, it just seems like they would have maybe focused a bit more on that. So a state of a national emergency happens. Uh, then we go to the jeweler who says this diamond. A diamond like this does not exist. Uh, we go back to Klaatu and Miss Benson. As Klaatu has explained his plan to Mrs. Benson, but... Much like uh, Klaatu not wanting to give the full extent to anyone, us as the audience don't get the full fucking extent either. Uh, Miss Benson calls for Tom, but he's out. The army is now on a live or dead for the spaceman. And we get another montage. Uh, back to Tom. Tom wants to rat out Klaatu. Klaatu. Uh, Tom calls the general to turn Klaatu in, which makes Mrs. Benson mad. Uh, but he says she will feel different when she sees his name in the paper and marries a famous man. Okay, maybe he is a little bit of a creep. No, he's not a creep. He's a douchebag. I don't think he's a creep, <laughs> though. Uh, he, like, he's not a creep. Like, he's not a character in a John Waters film. You know, he's a character in a Michael Bay film. <laughs> He'll hit your son when you're not looking, but he won't touch him in his private areas. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, uh, she, uh, already feels different about him. And now it's a race between Mrs. Benson and the army to see who gets to him first. Well, she arrives first and they get into a cab and leave right before the army arrives. But unfortunately, a kid out front tells the army that they are in a taxi. Uh, at this point, Gort the robot has Klaatu worried. 
And he tells Mrs. Benson to say the words Kalatu Barada Nikto. But doesn't explain why. Which, if I was Mrs. Benson, I would be like, well, what the fuck does that do? You know, it's it's like I'm saying, uh, that's leading into my half-assed theory about it being his full name. Because, you know, if you just say, hey, Gort, I know Klaatu. He says, Klaatu who? You say, you know, Klaatu Barada Nikto. Mm. Like, oh, okay. Well, that is kind of how the conversation goes. Because she has to say it twice, and then Gort's all like, yeah, we're down. We're cool. And he closes the visor. <laughs> So, oh, you know I that mean, dude too? Oh shit, yeah. We go to the same church. Let's go hang out in his car. <laughs> Literally, cuz she she falls down and he picks her up and carries her in there. Yeah. So as we watch uh them in the taxi, uh all the army people watching them, they eventually get the order to close in on them. Uh so they end up leaving the cabin run, but Klaatu is shot. Okay. Twice in like as many days. Fuck. This guy's getting shot. Um, Jesus. Uh, but with all the commotion, uh, this allows Mrs. Benson uh, to sneak away. She runs to the spaceship where Gort has escaped uh, his strong plastic containment unit uh, with his visor lifting are only two uh, actual deaths of human life in this movie actually happened where he evaporates two guards. Mrs. Do you Benson. think they're the same ones from the previous night, or is it the new crew? Um, no, those guys were fired for getting knocked out. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, because technically, unless someone walked up and saw that they were knocked out, no one knows that the alien got into the spaceship. Fair enough, that's true. So They could have just uh, per, you know pretended like they fell asleep on the job. Uh, yeah, George, I ain't saying shit, man. I was covered up like now. the Secret Service will in 12 years. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, Mrs. Benson arrives at the ship. She screams and falls as Gord approaches with his visor rising and she says the words. His visor closes and he picks her up. Gort takes her into the ship as Gort is at the controls. A great camera shot is shown, showing his face with her in the background. It just looks really good. It makes her look small. Uh, I just really like that shot and I wanted to bring it up. Um... I also wanted to bring up, did you guys notice the plethora of wires that helped hold her? Because apparently the guy in the suit was already carrying too much weight for the suit. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so they must have had some kind of wires to help hold her and the suit up so he could walk for that shot. All right, so the guy in the suit was not an actor. He was like, he worked at a, a Chinese theater uh, and he was seven foot and seven inches. Um, but he was not a strong guy. He was actually kind of frail. Um, so he could only be in the suit for 30 minutes at a time and he could not hold either one of the actors. So wires were used and there's also shots where mannequins are used where he's holding the mannequins, but he was still having problems holding the mannequins also. Well, that suit does not look light. I don't know what they made it out of, but uh, yeah, it is... apparently it was pretty heavy. Yeah. It looks like ultra smooth and like really well shaped. And I just, even if they made it out of fiberglass, that had to be like another 75 pounds on that poor well, bastard, at least. There were three different suits, depending on the camera angle, so that uh, you would never see any seams. Uh, just like uh, if you uh, look at a spaceship, how it opens and close, what they would do is they would have it close, and then they would putty over the seam line, so you wouldn't see it. Uh, and then when it opened, uh, they they could just reverse that footage to make it look like it closes and has no seam. 
It's really well done. Like yeah. that, the, all the alien spaceship stuff and all the stuff with Gort looks otherworldly and pretty incredible. And it's still astounding, even in this day and age, you know, how well they were able to execute those portions of the film and the effects. Yeah, it's really, really solid. Um, so she's locked in the room and Gort leaves the ship. The army says the alien is dead in a cell. Well, Gort breaks down the wall of the jail and takes Klaatu back to the ship. Oh, they enter the room. Oh, fuck, man. I just burped. Oh, wow. I'm not going to edit that out. Uh, they, <laughs> they enter the room and miss that Mrs. Benson was kept in and Klaatu is laid down in some machine. Uh, fun fact that would later go on to inspire uh, a similar scene and the fifth element. Not true. Well, um, him taking the body did inspire the Kool-Aid commercials, though. Oh, yeah, it did. That's yeah. for sure. That had to happen. Um, <laughs> the scientists gather outside the spaceship, but the army shows up and tells them to cancel the meeting, uh, citing that the robot being on the loose, it is not safe. Uh, in the ship, we see Klaatu healed and alive. Uh, and he gives this line that uh, life and death is up to the almighty spirit. Uh, so I pulled this little thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, originally, Katu, Klaatu's uh, post-death resurrection at the end of the movie was meant to be permanent, reinforcing his godlike powers. But at the time, the Breen office, the film industry's censors, uh, didn't like the ending, suggesting that it was too left-wing, much like everyone on this podcast, and insisted that the director, Robert Wise, and writer Edmund H. North put in the line that power was reserved for the almighty spirit. Both Wise and North hated the line and thought it was completely inappropriate, negating the concept of Klaatu's race being all-knowing and all-powerful. But the, spoo- the, uh, the studio wouldn't back them up and they were forced to put it in, making this all-knowing, all-powerful alien not be an atheist like he most likely would have. Well, they also, it's, it's important to talk about too. There's also a whole bunch of, uh, sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ kind of things going on with Klaatu as well, even to the point where his initials for his fake name are JC, but he comes to the earth trying to make it a better place with a mission of peace. And we fucking kill him for it. Yeah. And the name he takes of Carpenter is Jesus's job. We also right. have uh, a Mary figure, um, you know, who has a child with no father kind of thing. Um, there's there's yeah. tons yeah. of that in this movie. Um, yeah, you definitely can't be an atheist like those godless commies. Above all else. <laughs> right, I can see where they would have a problem with that in the 50s because that was the thing that separated us from the commies. Like what religion was were the commies? There there really wasn't much of a, I mean you could practice if you wanted to, but I think the official stance of the communist party was agnosticism perhaps. Oh. Cuz I know they hated um uh they hated Catholics. Because I watched a documentary about um, the Nazis and the Catholics and the Pope and shit, and they talked about it. I don't remember the specifics, but it was really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was really. I mean, the the Russian Orthodox Church was a lot more connected to Tsar Nicholas. So after 
the revolution, there was, I, I mean, it wasn't as much as America tell, you know, oh, the Russians hate God. I'm sure there are some that do, but it was, you know, just one of those things like America has long pushed theocracy as much as possible. Well, and uh, uh, the, the whole religious aspect of life where they would collect money and all of that kind of stuff goes against what communist manifesto you would you would see where it's all about the state and the people almost the state is what almost replaces any need for anything like that because it's supposed to take care of all your stuff instead of praying to a intangible being that may or may not give you your wish you petition <laughs> the state and the state will take care of you and that alone was enough to call them godless heathens yeah pretty much all right uh so the machine just gave life back for a little bit uh, as Professor Barnhart tells everyone to leave, the ship opens and Gort, uh, Klaatu, and Miss Benson come out. And Klaatu gives his a very famous speech. And then he rolls the fuck out. Um, so the speech. It is, I am leaving soon. And you will forgive me if I speak bluntly. The universe grows smaller every day. And the threat of aggression by any group anywhere can no longer be tolerated. There must be security for all. Or no one is secure. Now, this does not mean giving up any freedom. Except the freedom to act irresponsibly. Your ancestors knew this when they made laws to govern themselves and hired policemen to enforce them. We, of the other planets, have long accepted this principle. We have an organization for the mutual protection of all planets... And for the complete elimination of aggression. The test of any such higher authority is of course the police force that supports it. For our policemen we created a race of robots. Their function is to patrol the planets in spaceships like this one. And preserve the peace. In matters of aggression we have given them absolute power over us. This power cannot be revoked. At the first sign of violence, they act automatically against the aggressor. The penalty for provoking their action is too terrible to risk. The result is we live in peace, without arms or enemies, securing the knowledge that we are free from aggression and war, free to pursue more profitable enterprises. Now, we do not pretend to have achieved perfection, but we do have a system and it works. I came here to give you these facts. It is no concern of ours how you run your own planet. But if you threaten to extend your violence, this earth of yours will be reduced to a burnt out center. Center. Cinder. Not center. Cinder. Centaur. Yeah. Uh, your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. We shall be waiting for your answer. The decision rests with you. Woo! What a fucking speech. There, there's a lot uh, you could go in there with that. Is it... Um, are you okay with giving up uh, freedom if it means ultimate safety? Um, doesn't his speech kind of sound like... It's like tyranny, but with capitalism. Um. <laughs> uh, you could take this speech in so many ways. And as I was reading through it uh, and how he said it, I, I, I was just kind of like, I get what he's saying. But at the same time, like, I feel you could say, you know, 
This is what a tire. This is what Mussolini would say or Hitler would say. Um, you know, give us all the power and you'll live in safety. Yeah, it, it there there was uh it it seemed very pro police state uh, this this last time around watching you know we give these robotic killing machines ultimate power to decide that if you're too violent for us they can kill you and deal with it yeah i mean the only saving grace you have to this is it's it's robots who don't have biases or feelings or anything they just have rules so it's all it all becomes black and white you're you're guilty or you're innocent uh there there's no well it's because this no none of that matters you you just fucking die did you shoot did you shoot the magic screwdriver out of klaatu's hands well death Uh, oh death yeah did that wasn't that that wasn't death he Oh, right. Destroyed just shot, all the, the, shot the weapon. Yeah. The yeah, warning it... shot. That was the warning shot. It, yeah. I also want to state um, it would not work in this day and age. Uh, the robot would come down here and, like, there is too much, like, cancel culture, too much of the I'm offended culture that, that not regular, you should be offended. But the people who take it way too fucking far, the outrage culture, I think the whole world would just end up being wiped out no matter if we agreed to have robots rule us or not because people would be like, well, I take that as a violent aggression towards me, uh, you know, for something like misgendering me or calling a Trump fan a Hillary fan, like... Either way, people are going to take everything to the extreme. And if it ever came, I don't know for the robots if it comes to a point where aggression can, has to be physical violence, or does it also count if it's, you know, verbal abuse or emotional abuse or, you know, uh, offending someone in a way that it triggers them? Or like, like what's the extent of that? Well, if, if Gort responded negatively to emotional abuse, they would have killed uh, the, uh, the lady. The, not the lady, the, her boyfriend. Her possessive, angry, controlling boyfriend. Well, no, because he doesn't have free range to do what he wants on the Earth yet because mm. they're, in a, they're, in a, uh, uh, they're on a mission. They don't uh, like... Because right. they give the Earth the choice. The cho- Earth has the choice to join or not. So they're not going over there and just taking over. Um, this is, hey, do you want to vote in the tyrant or not? Mm. The space chancellor. Yeah. Or... Uh, you know, then you join and one or two options come out. You actually find out that it's a gigantic spice trading uh, thing and everyone gets addicted and puts their hands in black boxes. Or Skynet happens and now Skynet has the fucking perfect army. The puffy exoskeletons. Yeah. That is Gort. Dude, I feel like getting punched by Gort would fucking hurt. Yeah, I'd be like getting hit with a metal telephone pole or something. Just... Yeah, but, like you know. uh, a can- just a cannonball to your face. <laughs> it's... Uh, okay. Um, 
Well, I get into being punched by Gort. Um, things, that str- things that Gort is stronger than coming next week. Yeah, that's our <laughs> next episode. Uh, it'll be followed by Ray Harryhausen specials. Um, <laughs> so, okay. With that, we have the movie. And it's, it is one of the greatest sci-fi films of all time. Uh, yes, it does have a Jesus Christ allegory. Uh, you can take uh, the speech at the end many, many different ways. Uh, but overall, the film in general is fucking amazing. For a movie that is so very dialogue heavy, there's not actually a lot of action in it. It just constantly moves because the characters are good in it because it does a very good job of keeping the intrigue and the mystery up. Um, I just really like it. I think it's very well written, very well acted. Uh, overall, the movie just is fucking great. The special effects are solid. They hold up very well even to this day. Like This movie holds up just super well. I could see it boring some people, uh, but those are dumb people. So, <laughs> you know, uh, they can go back to watching American Idol. Um, so, Court, what about you? What What are your thoughts on the movie? Uh, what do you got to say? Go at it. Have at it. Do something. I think a lot of the prevailing attitudes that are post-World War II go into most of the what this script basically is trying to state the idea is will we have to be forced to be nice to each other will we be killed before we kill each other you know is this violent pacification you know just to quote a dri song uh (laughs) is the violent pacification that these gort robots are capable of what humanity needs in order to save itself should we sacrifice our poorer nature in order to save our better selves and can we be forced into it or would we go willingly and i like the idea that you know you don't have to join this but just know that if you become aggressor enough to where you start trying to pull the shit that you're pulling on your planet on other planets then things are going to be bad for you and these are these robots are here to stop you I like that idea, but it doesn't quite execute it right where, you know, they're not showing people the benefit of what we could achieve if we actually work together. It's more or less this, not necessarily, I don't want to call it a police state, but it's almost like this giving up a portion of who we are as human beings to be controlled by robots to kind of keep us in check, which is very anti-American because, I mean... America's whole thing is fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't step uh, on my snake. I want to say something with you said, uh, how you said it doesn't go about it. Well, because it never shows the benefits. He never really gets a chance to. Right. That's because of our poorer nature. Yeah. (laughs) So we're left with the idea of the negative side of it, where these robots are going to force you violently to behave or you get disintegrated but the idea is the the underlying idea that the movie's trying to show you is there is a better world that you can have if you just do this nonviolent way of life where if you find a different way to solve your differences and i don't i don't necessarily prescribe to the idea that you were kind of saying about the overall craziness of cancel culture cuz part of that is an attempt to get people to realize that 
we're all human beings and well, we should all just live together. I, yes, I do people mean, do take it too far. I get that. Yeah, I, I mean more the extremist part of it, how each side's going to point out the other extremist side of it. It's more of my point of, uh, as humans, we're not ever going to come together on things totally. So when it comes to the rules of the robot, like... I, I just feel like if the rules are like even emotional damage, we're all fucking dying. The problem with the rule of the robots that's working everywhere else and why it won't work on Earth is human beings. Because we yeah. are dumb, dangerous, panicky animals. Yeah, basically. To bring it back to the whole talk about uh, Men in Black. So the ideas behind the film are great, but if you while you're watching it, it's not... A happy ending it's not a resolved thing it's humans are going to fuck themselves over in the greater scale of things once other aliens start taking notice if we don't play along which we definitely won't and we're all doomed like that's yeah. how i always take the ending of it that that's like he was like okay well i tried to warn you bitches but now your hell is coming yeah it's like when you you're sitting there at a party you see your drunk friend about to like do something stupid you're like hey what what he's gonna fall watch this i can call him he's gonna fall and then he falls and it's like, okay, nothing happened. Like, you know what's going to happen. You see it happen. It is done very entertaining. But you're right in the fact that it does kind of seem unfinished at the end. Like, the idea is there, but it wasn't uh, executed at all. It was implemented. It was put in. But no one actually enforces that idea. Yeah, well, and this is, I mean, this is one of the earlier movies. You know, this is 1951. This is 10 years before Eisenhower's famous warning against the military-industrial complex and his farewell address uh, after, when his uh, presidential term ended. But this is post-World War. This is, you know, Operation Paperclip had already happened, so there was the space program, but the space race hasn't started yet. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff up in the air. Yeah, he was the president before Nixon, right? Eisenhower was president before uh, Kennedy. Okay, it was... Nixon was Eisenhower's vice president. But Nixon didn't get elected president next, like a lot of vice president, you know, like... Yeah. Uh, what, Reagan's vice president became president next, and stuff like that. Gotcha. I couldn't remember... How it went. I know like all three of them are kind of tied together. Nixon was after Johnson, who was after Kennedy. Okay, gotcha. Wow, I always thought the Watergate shit was before the JFK assassination, but I guess it was after. Yeah, that was in the 70s. Oh, fuck, wow. Uh, whew. Damn. My timeline's all fucked up. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Court, you bring up a very, very valid point with with this movie. Um, Darren, how about you? What, what do you got to say about the movie? Yeah, I, I think uh, the main thing that I wanted to say was that little bit about the the beginnings of these scarier things with the, the space race and Operation Paperclip and the, uh, the building up of America, you know, the... I, I feel like the big military machine of America got rolling, especially during World War II, but it never wanted to stop. 
So it was, if you keep going this way, expanding exponentially, then the United Confederation of Planets is going to gort you. Yeah. Operation Paperclip is the one where we were getting Nazi scientists, right? Yes, and bringing okay. them, you know, yeah. say, giving them amnesty and bringing them over to work work for America. Gotcha. I was trying to remember. Um, there's so many different operations. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. This is definitely... This is a movie that you could have so much discussion with, but Court's right in the fact that it doesn't really answer anything. It, which it makes it which makes it better because every time I've watched this so far, I've had a relatively different interpretation. Like the next time I watch it, I probably won't feel the same way that I do now that I feel like they're going to come back and fuck us up because we didn't learn our lesson and because we'll never uh, like human beings will never submit to allow the higher functioning stuff to happen like we're never going to find peace we're never going to get along it's just not going to happen unless there's some kind of outside influence that forces us to work together like a global pandemic and even then we won't work together we'll just fucking let each other die yeah I mean, see who wins because right. last time i watched this i think i focused more on the christian christ allegory but this time i was more focused on the tyranny aspect of the choice that's given um so you're right i i wonder what i'm gonna think of next time i watch this movie probably more about the jfk assassination <laughs> but yeah this is a great gateway movie uh you, you know this is one you could show to a kid i mean you could I show it, like it yeah. might be a little too slow in preachy for a kid like i definitely would probably show earth versus the flying saucers first fair point i don't like, know i think a 10 or 11 year old could probably get through this without too much issue and be able to do the discussion no problem though yeah like i would go find like the 15 year old that's sharing communist memes right now and i'd let him watch it <laughs> there you go i definitely saw it for the first time before i was 11 because of of seeing it in the house that I moved out of when I was 12. Yeah, so did I, but we also didn't get, I got internet when I was hitting my very early teenage, like preteen age, I got the internet, uh, heavily. Yeah. Uh, so as a kid, I feel like pre internet and, and we didn't get like what I call social media internet. Well, until, you know, I was getting into my twenties. Uh, or right as I got into my 20s. And I feel like so, social media, internet has taken away a lot of our um, attention span, especially for the young with, with smartphones and tablets and all of that. So I feel like us as younger kids would sit through and watch movies more often and more frequently uh, because we didn't have a million movies at our fingertips and we didn't live in a give me satisfaction now time. You had to rewind the tape. And... Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I would just put the tape back. And when I pulled it out to watch it again, I re would just rewind it then. There you go. I'm a rebel. <laughs> I had three videotape rewinders in my room as a kid. Three? The yep. fuck, man? Did I know you have the, the 80s one that was were. A car that you the... popped it into the hood? 
the, the 80s were a time of excess, but Jesus Christ, man. My parents bought one and they hated it. They didn't like using it. So that became my first one. And then my second one was pretty much the same story from another family member that bought a rewinder that they hated and they didn't want to use it anymore. So basically, um, it did the job. They were all in great shape, but I had family members that just didn't like them. So I was rewinding all the tapes in the house with that thing in my room, those things in my room. Holy shit. They, they were just like, what are we going to give court for Christmas this year? I don't know. <laughs> fucking tape rewinder? Cool. You, then your uncle and your aunt are like, what are we going to give court for his birthday this year? Uh, just give him that fucking tape rewinder. I hate that thing. Yep, that's basically what happened. <laughs> so you've long been a collector of parts. Well, I I had so many VHS tapes by that point because I was buying like, you know, the the Sam's Club uh multi-packs of TDK tapes and Max Maxell and all that VHS tapes and just recording tons of stuff to where it made sense to give me a videotape rewinder that they didn't like. I know, but 3 that just seems it's excessive, yeah, but it's just that's how it ended up. I my parents had one, they didn't want it. I I saved it and then my aunt and uncle gave me theirs cuz they didn't want it and then I ended up buying one like at like a like a closed down video shop. It was like an industrial one that I wanted. At least that one was probably upgrading. Yeah, the it other was. two you probably got in the same fucking year for Christmas and your birthday. Well, it wasn't quite that close, but yeah, it was close enough. Holy shit. Oh, I, okay. think, I think the videotape rewinders might have even been a present from like another relative that went to my parents and my uncles and they and they didn't want them so they gave it to me. I can't and remember. Then I got now. my fourth at a church rally. <laughs> it was a raffle, but yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. I don't know what a church rally is. Uh that fuck. would be um revivals. That's what a church rally really is. It's a revival. Oh yeah. Alright. I definitely fucked my wording up, which means it's probably time to end this. So uh, before we end this, let's find out what everyone's uh, got going on in the podcast world. Uh, let's start with you, Court. What you got uh, going on? Um, we are really close to starting the next May Mate, which Matt is extremely dreading. I think he wants to die before May Mate kicks in this year. Le- have, at least y'all that's done, his goal. have y'all done Cruel Jaws yet? No, no, we've got uh, this. Mavite is all booked up, but didn't Cruel Jaws get a release finally? It's it's getting a release. It's yeah. finally getting a Blu-ray release. Yeah. So I don't know. That may be in the next next year's Mavite if we're all alive, and then I can basically force Matt to do another Mavite because every we've done one so far, and he's just basically like, no, they'll never do this again. And I'm like, dude, I got enough for at least one more. He's gonna <laughs> fuck you up and be like, okay, we can do Mavite. But we're going to start doing the July 90s. <laughs> well, he really doesn't have any say unless he actually starts editing the show and does all the work that I do. He doesn't have a say in what we watch. No, that's fair. So not like me, huh? I give my I give my guest host options. I give my co-host, you know, hey, why don't y'all pick a movie? Uh, fucking Gord over here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, you're getting close to that. But you still have like a month away, so what's coming up in April? Uh, well, I'll pull up the schedule for you. I'll tell you. No okay, problem. Pull, pull up the schedule. Let's let's uh, see the docs. <laughs> you meant. Uh, all right, we just covered Out of Control. That's going to be released, uh, well, today that you and I and, and Darren are recording. 
Uh, in April, we've got Countess Dracula, Stripped to Kill, and Brotherhood of Death. And then May Matei starts at the end of April. We are recording. So, and that's going to be Shocking Dark, Women's Prison Massacre, Zombie 3, and The Other Hell. And then that's going to take us into our end of the year, which is going to be a glorious full franchise fest that's going to be about 13 some odd movies. Holy shit. 13 movies. That's a big franchise. That Puppet Master? <laughs> no, it's the uh, Andy Sedaris uh, <laughs> Babes Beach and uh, Brutality or whatever. Girls, Guns, and I can't remember what it is, but it's going to be the Andy Sedaris films. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's like 12 of them, basically. And a lot of them just got Blu-ray released, so that, that bumped them up for me to want to do them. And it also works out to basically close out the year from 250 all the way up to what gives us our sixth year start. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, right, that's well, my entire schedule right here on Atomic Age Saucercast for everything coming up on Cinema Psyops. There we go. All right, Darren, what else you got? Well, let's see. I just put out Escape from L.A. on Psychosemantic. Coming up next from that will be uh, 12 Monkeys. Uh, working on editing that now as we speak. Uh, VD Clinic just recorded a little bit late our March Madness tradition of something to do with serial killers. Hey, it's fine. March uh, Madness is canceled anyway. Yeah. So at least we're doing it. Not like the NCAA. Yeah, um, pussies. We, we did uh, Summer of Sam and the oh. book Mindhunter, which the show was based off of. I love Summer of Sam. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. So had the excuse to watch that a couple times the last few weeks. And Tastes coming... better than Heinz ketchup. <laughs> oh, 20-something-year-old Adrian Brody reminds me of 13-year-old me when I first got into punk. <laughs> oh, you also did gay porn? Yes. Wow. Yeah, Was the guy directing it named Klaatu? <laughs> yeah, he, 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 went, uh, he went by uh, Carpenter. Was oh, his, okay. Makes his, uh, sense. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to go down that that rabbit hole. We want to keep listeners. But uh, uh, coming up on VD Clinic, we've got our uh, anniversary of the show's first episode. Now, I joined that show after it had been around for about a year and a half. I took over. I didn't take the whole thing over, but uh, I took over as co-host. Anyway, that is the commentary there's usually a commentary done i think last year we the last two years we did sleepwalkers and maximum overdrive so i don't know if we're going to keep with the theme of cheesy yet sometimes enjoyable stephen king or if we'll do something else but that uh that has not been decided yet and i think that's it i don't know right. we, we haven't discussed what we're doing on this show next but we'll do that off the air yeah 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 uh, what do you got coming up yeah, what are you doing? Um, I actually don't have anything planned recording-wise after this. Uh, so I guess the next thing will be another Kill the Cast episode. Um, I also need to start working on Colts Unknown again. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's going to be another Kill the Cast episode that I'll probably do next. Um, we just did uh, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, tackling Gamma Guardian of the Universe. Uh, the first of the 90s trilogy for that. 
And uh, the last Kill the Cast was From Beyond and I See You, which was pretty dope. I See You is highly underrated, even with Helen Hunt's weird face. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that was a uh, that was weird to watch that film. And it took a long time to get over the fact that Helen Hunt looks different. Very, very different. Yeah, she looks like if you're going to remake The Day the Earth Stood Still and you want to gender swap it, get Helen Hunt to play Klaatu right now because she looks human, but at the same time, not. And was she in like a car accident or something? It's There's not really talk about it. Uh, that, and everybody's saying plastic surgery, but, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. I think it's plastic surgery and she didn't wait for enough time for it to, like, settle. <laughs> like, like, it healed, but it didn't, it hasn't, like, settled. Like... Or, like, she got plastic surgery, and then she went and got Botox right before filming. Oh, or, yeah. Because uh, my fiancé said it looks like she had a facelift. So, I don't know. But super good fucking movie. Go check that out. Um, yeah, the twists in that are amazing. No spoiler oh. alerts here, but, oh. yeah, it's it goes it goes in directions I wasn't even expecting. Yeah. She was in a car crash. 2018, 2019, sometime oh, around there. Then, yeah, uh, that's I was, probably I was, what it yeah. was. Because I, I was trying to find something that wasn't, you know, just a bunch of gibberish letters. I was trying to find something. But uh, USA Today says that she returns to Mad About You after crash. Helen Hunt is returning to work after surviving a nasty car crash that caused her SUV to flip onto its side. Chances are she probably had some injuries or maybe the car crash is just there to cover up the fact that she got botched plastic surgery. She used one of the mannequins that they used in uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still for Poss- work to carry. Possibly that's where she got her face. Who knows? Well, they, she threw that in the SUV. While she, yeah. <laughs> okay, I get you now. <laughs> I was thinking of a Dwight from The Office situation when he did that to the CPR tunnel. <laughs> You know, I've never seen a single episode of The Office. I haven't either. I've seen all of the episodes of Parks and Rec, but I, I haven't seen all of the fake mockumentary in an office shows. That's the only one I've seen. Yeah, I like my fake mockumentary to uh, be a modern family. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, with that... We are out. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you've got a certain movie that fits the atomic age uh, thing, let me know. I actually do think I know what our next movie is. Um, and we're going to leave the atomic age, but it's still going to be about the atomic age. Yeah, we've so. been poking around about doing this one forever. We might as well just do that one as the next one. So Yeah, it sounds like a plan. Join us as we do matinee. With John Goodman. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, boy. All right, we are out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Check out uh, all of our podcasts. Uh, Be safe out there. Uh, Klaatu, Brata, Nick Toe, all of that jazz. And um, don't don't be a Matt. Be a (laughs) Klaatu. Don't be a Gort, be a Court. There you go. All right, we are out of here. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, 
Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Go Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.